Hello again ladies and gentlemen, Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 34 of Hunter Hunted, my initial AVP fan fiction. I do hope you've always been enjoying this little stroll through the AVP universe I created all those years ago. As always, if you can like, subscribe, leave me feedback wherever you can, it's always appreciated. Either at somewhere like fanfiction.net, archiveofourown.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. It's all appreciated, and every little comment, you know, helps me to move forward, tells me what you like, what you don't like, things like that. And it always helps me to improve as a writer. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, and the usual legal disclaimer before we start. I don't own AVP or anything to do with it, that's all the joys of their own studios. I'll just keep all the sexy dream warrior girls. They're all mine. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 34. Trials. The whole world felt like it was made of liquid. He tried in vain to focus. Ryan's vision wobbled and swirled like he was looking through murky water. He dragged his mind out of the void and it seemed to have been plunged into, only to find that most of his senses seemed to have been left back in there. It taken him a while to drag them out as well and kind of felt like he was having to put his mind back together piece by piece. First of all, it had been his hearing. All he'd been able to hear was a pulsing wine noise, which, while it had been very annoying, had helped him to pull his mind back together again a little bit. Then his sense of smell returned, and he smelled damp and musty. Next up had been his sense of touch, and he felt like he was on a cold, hard surface, with what appeared to be some form of restraints on both his ankles and wrists. They were kind of heavy and weighed his arms and legs down. Now was his sight, and that was being so much more difficult by far. Eventually, Ryan's senses managed to reconnect to his mind, and he was able to see the room he was currently being held in. He appeared to be in some kind of cell. It was dark and rather dank in here. He could see large change holding his wrists and ankles down. For the life of him, he couldn't remember how he'd gotten in here. The last thing he remembered was kissing with Shanna. And then everything went black. His head was pounding like someone was hitting a drum in the back of his mind and it made it difficult to focus properly. He was trying to focus when he heard footsteps approaching him. They boomed off every single surface seeming to echo off the walls and he couldn't actually tell what direction they were coming from. But that was a question that was very swiftly answered. As Ryan turned his head he noticed a large male standing behind a large cage door had sectioned his cell off from where he was now. The male wore some form of ceremonial armour that he recognised as Yejuta from his matriarch's tales. It was black and silver with overlapping plates that made their way up from his waist to his chest where a large crested black breastplate sat. The markings were the same as Shenna's had tattooed on her head. The male had two large pauldrons covering his shoulders where a pair of dual plasma casters sat in an interactive state. His face was covered by a silver-coloured decorated hunting mask that seemed to have teeth of some kind glued to it. He seemed to have some form of leather coat or cape draped over his back. It was kind of the type that his father used to be rather fond of, and it flowed all the way down to the back of his ankles. So, you're finally awake, the male said in a gruff voice. Ryan looked at him, and a billowing white and grey aura swirled around him. This meant that he wasn't evil, but Ryan felt that his caution would be well advised here. Who are you? 
And why have you done this to me? He asked, trying to turn around and sit up so he could face the door. It was a serious effort considering the weight of the chains restraining him. But determination made him achieve it, and finally he got himself into an upright sitting position. I am Fenra Shana, arbiter of the honoured Shadowclaw clan, and you are here to face your trial, the male said in a gruff voice. This confused Ryan. Trial? Trial for what? I have committed no crime, he said, and the arbiter huffed behind his mask. Your crimes are existence and corrupting one of our clan, Fen replied. This confused Ryan for only a moment before he realised what he meant. So wait, you're going to persecute me for merely existing, and for corrupting one of your clan? Who the hell did I corrupt? Ryan yelled, his anger building at the sheer audacity of this. Fenrar Shana reached up with both his hands and with a swift movement pulled his mask from his face. It was the face of a very battle-hardened warrior, full of scars from many battles he'd weathered, his bright green eyes focusing on the young half-breed. You corrupted Shenna Blackcrest, daughter of the Honourable Blackcrest family. In answer to your question, yes, your mere existence is an affront to the decency of our society. The Ejuta are a pure-blood race, and deviants who choose to mate with lesser species would be punished for their gall to defile Ejuta blood. In fact, the only reason I didn't kill you both where you were was because of her family status and yours as a dream warrior. So you're to face a trial for what you are, while she has been ex- exiled to that planet you were on. She's damn lucky she's not dead. If it weren't for her family status... Her head would have been on my wall as of right now, Fenn said. Now it was Ryan's turn to huff. In fact, he confused Fenn by bursting out into a fit of roaring laughter. Fenn snarled at him. Why are you laughing, half-breed? He roared through the bars of the cell, hitting them with his armoured fists as he did. Slowly and laboriously, Ryan got to his feet and shuffled up to the bars, smiling at the massive arbiter as he did. The heavy chains made every movement painful and difficult, but he was determined to look the massive arbiter in the eye as well as he said the next bit. So let me get this straight. My crime is daring to exist and try to live a life that I had no choice in being given, and for daring to fall in love with a member of your clan. And the only reason you didn't kill us both is because her family hold a lot of power within the clan, and because I'm a dream warrior, he said, still smiling through the bars. The big arbiter snarled at him. So? What's your point? The arbiter snarled. Ryan grinned broadly, drawing his mandibles up and retracting his lips to show off his teeth. Well, don't you see the double standards in your own actions? He asked. Fen looked confused now. What double standards? He snarled as if he was being accused of corruption. Will you say I'm not a being that should not be allowed to exist because I symbolise the mixing of Yejuta blood with that of a lesser species? Yet you don't kill me like your so-called moral code, honour and dictates because I happen to be one of the things that Yejuta revere. Bit hypocritical, don't you think? On one hand, you have your honour screaming that I am a symbol of deviancy that can't be allowed to live because I used to show Yejuta everywhere that there is another way. But on the other hand, you won't kill me, because I'm also a symbol of what the Yejuta revere the most. Ryan said, grinning at the big male. 
Finn Rashan, I had to admit the young half-breed did have a point with that one. On one hand, he was honour-bound to kill him because he symbolised deviancy, and on the other hand, he couldn't kill him because of the fact that he was a dream warrior. Then on to the other point. You have, what did you, you did to Shenna? And don't get me wrong, I'm damn grateful you chose to leave that girl I love alive. But again, with the double standards. You accuse her of deviancy because she dared to fall in love with someone that's not really fully Yuzhuta. I mean, really. You'd have been perfectly fine with her living a life of misery and sadness. You turn a blind eye to all the humiliation and pain she suffered at the hands of her own kind. But the second she steps outside of your precious little box and dares to seek happiness and love for herself, she's condemned. Your precious honour then dictates that you kill her because you didn't don't want to piss off her family. We're perfectly fine with her being left on a planet to die alone or worse, be caught and raped by the bad bloods. No, they don't give a shit about just as long as their precious honour is intact. Ryan spat. Fenrir Shana huffed again. He did have to admit that the young half-breed did make a good point here. He'd always been a firm believer in the sanctity of the law, but it did seem that far too often things like status and power factors and rulings and the people that were blatantly guilty got off either lightly or completely and totally. You want to know something, Arbiter? Ryan said, walking right up to the bars in an almost challenging manner. He knew the male wouldn't be able to resist the challenge. The Arbiter stepped right up to the bars himself and looked him right into his eyes. What's that then? He growled in response. You look at me like I'm something vile or disgusting. And you blatantly think that you should be I should be ashamed of myself. But I'm not. Ashamed of myself or my family. I'm a product of pure love between two beings that dared to live their lives the way they wanted to. Without either of their species telling them that they couldn't. They both sought happiness and love and they found it in each other. And I'm damn proud to be the byproduct of their love. Because I no matter, know no matter what that I'm their joy as they are mine. Ryan said. Fenn growled at the boy's defiant words, but he could see the fire and determination in the boy's bright eyes. In fact, he was staring so intently into the boy's eyes that he didn't notice his hands moving until it was too late. Ryan's hand shot out through the bars and seized the large male's exposed wrists and used the chains to loop around them to hold his hands in place so he couldn't pull away. Fenn looked down and tried to remove his hands, but found he couldn't because the heavy chains were looped around his wrists. What are you doing? he demanded. Ryan smiled slightly in response. You want to judge me for who I am? Then see who I am. All of it, he replied. And then as he looked at Fenn's, his eyes flashed from purple to green, and suddenly Fenn's minds were flooded with images and emotions that were not his own as Ryan invaded his mind. Fenra Shana stood frozen in place as the young dream warrior invaded his mind. He'd heard the stories of the dream warriors and their legendary powers. This was the first time he'd ever seen one up close. The entirety of the young teenager's life flashed through his mind's eye in fast forwards. He saw everything the boy had, lived it and felt everything just like he'd felt it. Every triumph, every failure, every love, every joy, everything. Then just as suddenly as it started, it finished. Ryan sagged backwards and he regained his senses slowly. 
Fenn removed the looped chain from around his wrists. This caused Ryan to fall down backwards onto his ass. Fenn grabbed the bars in his hands and looked through the bars at the young dream warrior as he sat panting on the floor. What the pork did you just do to me, boy? He roared at the boy. Ryan opened up his eyes and looked at the big male and to his surprise he saw tears streaming down his face. Simple. I showed you the life that you could condemn in its entirety. So no matter what, you will know I existed. It's yours too now, he said. Take it back, Ven said, his voice sounding desperate as he reached through the bars for the young dream warrior. The feelings and thoughts that were spinning through his mind and now a mixture of his own and the young boys, they were entwining like coloured smoke in his mind infusing together to become one. The feelings and thoughts scared him because of how different from his own they were, but how familiar they felt. He'd seen everything, from the joys of hunting with the boy's mother, who felt rather familiar to him, to the intensity of the love he felt for the young Blackcrest girl. What is done cannot be undone. Embrace it, Arbiter. You judge others for daring to be different from your prescribed life in a box. This is what it feels like when the box is taken away. Welcome to my life. Ryan panted. Fenn slammed his fist against the bars hard enough to cause the metal to dent and boom and it to echo through the prison area. Then with that he turned and walked away from the young boy as fast as he could. He couldn't bear to look at him any longer. His feelings were a totally jumbled mess now. On one hand he was seeing things that he'd always seen, but now in his mind eye there was another voice and it was questioning everything he'd believed in. But what scared him the most was the fact wasn't the boy's. It was his own. Ryan panted hard as he watched the Arbiter walk off in a hurry. He smiled to himself as he watched him go. His plan had been successful, but it had really taken it out of him. He knew that right now the Arbiter was questioning everything he believed in. This would keep him on the back foot for a while. Ryan struggled to right himself. This memory transference lock was pretty useful, even if it did knock him for six. It really didn't help that he'd overexerted himself this time, as not only had he flooded the Arbiter's mind with his life, but he'd torn everything out of his mind at the same time. Now Ryan knew everything he did. All he had to do was organise his memories, and he'd be able to use them to figure a way out of this place. Fenrar Shana, proud Arbiter of the Shadowclaw clan, sat in his quarters aboard the clan ship. No matter what he did, the tears wouldn't stop. His mind was like a tornado of thoughts and emotions. His mind kept flashing through all the people of what he'd done and who he'd judged on behalf of the clan. He'd always prided himself on his ability to remember every single judgement that he'd passed and every life that he'd taken in the name of honour. But now the little voice in the back of his mind was tearing apart everything he'd ever held as sacred. He saw the faces of the people he'd killed for nothing more than daring to be different or for falling in love with someone they shouldn't have, like a member of another species. At the time he'd felt justified and honoured to have been chosen to uphold the honour of the clan and the sanctity of the Yejuta species as a whole, by hunting down these deviants. But now, having seen the happiness and the joy that this young boy had experienced in his short life, he'd seen the love and care that his woman father had showered on him. He'd seen the fact that his woman had taught him what honour truly was, in protecting the ones you care about, and standing up for those who couldn't defend themselves. 
It is also seen the fact that this woman was in fact a dream warrior as well, a fact that rocked him to his very core. The most revered and prestigious of Yejuta hunters, and this woman was one. Not a single part of him was Yejuta, and he was one of the most revered. How was this even remotely possible? But it was. The boy's memories were as clear as day, as were the woman's love for his son and for his family. The boy's memories were filled with images not only from his own mind, but from those from his father that had shared with him when he discovered that he too was a dream warrior, and he had melded with him. They showed off the way of the woman that had showered the Juta female that was the boy's mother with love and affection. The way he'd fought for her with all his strength. This Uman male was like a force of nature. He possessed strength that he, he should not have. He was a being of true honour and loyalty. He was like a pure embodiment of what every true Yejuta aspires to be. But what he also saw told him that his Uman male was coming and he got the distinct feeling with all his power and his strength there wasn't going to be able a single thing he could do to stop him from reclaiming what was his. But then Fen had a startling realisation. He didn't want to either. It was that exact moment when Fen Rashana's will fell apart. Everything he believed in had been constructed lie. All the so-called truths that he'd clung to, they were constructs to preserve the Yejuta way of life, and they were merely controls put in place to keep him and others like him in line. Careful constructs and beliefs put in place by those with power over thousands of years to construct a society based on the morals and values of others. Controls so severe that they would take the lives of any and all who stared to step outside of the boundaries of what these few saw as moral and decent. All to show others that these things were wrong and to serve as an example to keep all the others in line. All these years he'd been a puppet of this system. Suddenly a memory sprung into his mind. It was of a hunt two hundred years ago where he'd hunted down a rogue young blood who'd run off with a Kemelin girl. The Kemelins were a sentient reptilian species. He'd remembered the happiness he'd felt as she'd caught up with them and killed them both. But now he saw the young girl's face in his mind as clear as glass. He saw the pain and fear and horror in her eyes as he struck down the young male. She didn't even care that she herself was bleeding to death from the wound he'd inflicted. She was more pained by the fact she'd struck down the man she loved, and it all suddenly made complete sense to him. What had he done? Destroying something so beautiful and pure was nothing short of a travesty, all for the belief based on lies. Yet here he was, doing it all over again. This had to stop. In his cell, Ryan was deep in thought, as he fought his way through the mass of memories that he'd torn from the Arbiter's mind. There was so much pain and so much hate in here. It took all of his strength to keep himself from falling into the void of the Arbiter's mind that had opened in his own. It took all of his resolve to remain who he was. Now he knew the true power of memory transference. Not only could it allow you to show another your point of view, but it allowed them to show you theirs. But it could also be used to change another's mind in its entirety. And it scared Ryan. But he fought through all the darkness and pain that that man had caused, and so far he'd gotten the layout of the clan ship out of the jumble. Also in there was the way the weapons were kept, the codes for the doors, and a few other useful things as well. But while he was doing this, he felt something strange. 
a-crawling on his skin. It was like he was being watched. Ryan opened his eyes and there in front of him sat a young Ajuta woman, dressed all in white. She was strikingly beautiful. An aura billowed around her like none he'd ever seen. It was pure silver, the same colour as her eyes. Uh, where did you come from? How did you get in here? Ryan asked in a rather surprised voice. The young Ajuta's woman simply smiled at him broadly. I've always been here, Ryan. Watching over you from the very beginning, she said in a voice that was so sweet-sounding it was like liquid honey being poured into her ears. Seeing the look of confusion on his face, the young woman stood up. Allow me to introduce myself, young one. My name is Pyre, she said, causing Mayan's mandibles to f- and mouth to f- literally fall open. Standing before him was none other than the goddess of the eternal hunt herself. That was chapter 34, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so it looks like Ryan managed to get to the Arbiter. And he managed to meet a goddess all in one go. But will he escape from his cell? Will he make a break for it? Or will he have more in store for him? There's only going to be one way to find out. You're going to have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you next time.